Hey there, Divorce and Beyond listeners. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to give you a quick, exciting update. I am thrilled to share that our top five most downloaded episodes of 2023 are now on the website. These are the episodes that have been a beacon of support and guidance for many of you, and now you can easily access them too. So you can dive into powerful conversations ranging from Dear My Future Self, Why a Focus on the Future is the Secret Sauce of Divorce with Alex Beatty, to the eye-opening How to Do Divorce Right with top attorney Beth McCormick. Each of these five episodes, as all Divorce and Beyond episodes are, are packed with insights and expert advice, making them a must-listen for anyone navigating through divorce. So if you're ready to be inspired by our top five from last year, you can head over to divorceandbeyond.com and just click on top episodes to listen to these transformative episodes. Don't miss out on these empowering discussions. And now let's get started with today's episode. Stay tuned. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. And you have to have two partners that are willing to work on the relationship. It can't just be you turning towards your partner and your partner still is like, I don't really care, right? Because that's tough. So if you are in a healthy relationship, you're both involved and wanting to grow your relationship. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process. So listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host and listeners. Bella Gandhi is back with us for Valentine's Week. Hi, Bella. Hi, Susan. I'm so excited to be here. Well, Bella, for the listeners who have not yet met you, go back and look in the archive. I have, I think, five other episodes with Bella. And you are known in the world of GMA and Steve Harvey and Kelly Clarkson and the Today Show and all the other wonderful places that you regularly appear as America's favorite dating coach, right? And and we've talked a lot. You are the founder of the Smart Dating Academy. You've been in business now, is it 14 years? Yeah, we'll be 15 years in October around Halloween. So- oh. Crazy. I I mean, and it's not something, you know, you you came from a business background, but you've always had this affinity for helping people find relationships. That's where Smart Dating Academy was, was, you know, birthed from. That was the idea. But our past episodes have really focused on dating, maybe that dating word in Smart Dating Academy or America's favorite dating coach. But What I think I'd love to focus on today as we sit here at the end of peak dating season, going into Valentine's Day, I really want to focus on what I truly think your greatest gift is, and that is that you help your clients find real relationships, 
re- sustainable, loving lid to your pot to take one of your, you know, paraphrase you lid to your pot types of relationships. And listeners, just so you know, 15 years almost, never a divorce in, in Yay! Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll talk about the divorce rates, but 40% of first marriages end in divorce. So the fact that Bella's um, Academy has never had a divorce amongst their clientele is is truly amazing. So something that caught my attention and made me immediately think of you was there was a recent Fortune magazine article, and the headline was eye-catching to say the least. It said, researchers who have studied over 40,000 couples can predict divorce with 94% accuracy. And I thought, Bella can do that. You're like, here we are. Let's go. Let's go. Let's talk to Bella about this. So I reached out to you. We're going to talk about both that study and some of your other top tips as a successful relationship coach. I'm going to, I'm going to change your title a little bit to help those people out there, my listeners who are either struggling and want the current relationship they're, they're in to turn around, to to get on a better track. This might give them some tips. For those who are in divorce or post-divorce who want to get back out there dating and find a new relationship, or those who might be dating and not finding that lid to their pot and wondering why. So this, I think, is really helpful to almost anyone. So let's dive in. The study was done by the Gottmans. And I think that's, you know, the minute any of us in the dating or uh, relationship or divorce world hears the word Gottman, we know who we're talking about. But tell us a little bit about John and Julie Gottman. So, you know, they're the probably largest evidential marriage researchers that have existed. They're adorable. If you haven't seen them, they're probably both in their 70s. And Gottman has been doing his work for a very long time. And I first heard of Gottman's work before I started Smart Dating Academy and Malcolm Gladwell's Blink. And so Gladwell talked about like, how do people thin slice? How do they come up with, you know, just, I just know. And so in one of the chapters, he highlighted Gottman, who, as you indicated, can predict within 10 seconds of observing a couple because he did this with thousands, 40,000 couples, he asked them a question and he says, tell me about a challenge that you're having in your marriage. And so he analyzes video footage of their body language and says he can look for different body language that indicate what he called the four horsemen that are basically very telling, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Those are the four horsemen of conflict. So if he sees body language indicative of that, he, he probably says, yeah, you're heading for Splitsville sooner than later. So now the question that I love that the Gottmans, it, it's here's some harbingers for the big D word, but now how do we avoid being in that arena. And that's really, I think, what we're going to talk about. Yes. And that's exciting because it, it's really important to know the four horsemen. But flip side of that is exactly what you're saying. So what can we do to avoid the four horsemen? Or if we have see those guys riding down the street uh, in our marriage or around the track or wherever those horses are, are running around in our lives, how can we, how can we, how can we get them back into the barn, right? And send those horses back to the glue factory. Exactly. 
And that's where, you know, this, this ability to talk about what makes a relationship have longevity. That's really what they looked at. Like whether they, they, the most recent study overall of these years, or at least the most recent findings that they've released is that they feel that relationship longevity relies heavily on whether or not a couple, and they, I'm going to use their phrasing because this is very much a part of their um, vernacular, is whether or not a couple turns toward one another by responding to bids for attention. And this is actually pretty simple, but you go ahead and explain it. I, I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. All day long, if you pay attention to interactions with you and your partner um, or daters, if you're not, if you don't have a partner, this is still relevant. And people make bids for our attention all the time. I'll tell you a funny story. So my husband and I will be married this year. God, is it 27 years? That's the I woman that's supposed so. to keep track of this, right? Yeah. So yeah. So 27 years. And so he is adorable and lovely. And definitely probably bids more for my attention than I do. But we noticed this dynamic. So there are days I work from home post-COVID and he'll just walk into my office and he and I'm way in the middle of 10 projects and he just stands here and I can see him in my peripheral vision. And I'm like, oh, okay, what are we going to do? So now knowing what I know, I'm like, uh uh-uh. Don't assume anything. Assume positive intent. Number one, he just wants to say hi and he enjoys your company. Then I now turn to him when he's just standing there staring at me. I'm like, hi, do you need attention? And he, it is the funniest thing. So now anytime today, this morning I was on the elliptical and he just stood in the bedroom watching me on the elliptical and I took out my AirPods. I'm like, do you need attention? And it's our funny way of just noticing. He's like, nope, just wanted to pop in and say hi. So I, we have negotiated this unwittingly, like this is how we handle that. So it doesn't irk me and it doesn't irk him when he turns towards me because I'm busy with 10,000 things going on. I just say, do you need attention? Because you're always my priority. And that simple action neutralized everything. First off, I love that story. I know you and Andy, so I can completely see this happening. Makes me so happy. Um, I also experienced something similar with my husband, and I'm going to now use your phrase of turning to him and asking if he needs some attention. Do you need my attention? attention. Do you need attention? And you smile. Attention. And once you do it uh, enough, that's really all they need, Susan. And I know you and David, and he'll probably give you some dry-witted comment back. You know, my husband just smiles at me. He's like, nope, I'm all good. Just the fact that he stands there, right? Old me might have been like, oh, my God, I have so much to do. Why does he want to talk to me? This is not an inopportune time, but it's so simple to have this device to make your partner feel important. And sometimes he will say, you know what? I do want to talk to you about something, but are you in the middle of something? So I've also asked him, like, sometimes if I seem like, just ask me, like, tell me I need your attention. And I will say, you are number one priority. Just give me 30 minutes. 
And then I will keep mindful of that phone down, computer off, squarely looking him in the eye, and I will be there for him. But these are just super simple ways to respect your partner's bids for attention. Well, and first off, simple, but conscious, right? This is something that awareness has, you have an awareness of it. It's something that has evolved over time out of that awareness. So that's simple, yes, but as human beings, simple can be one of the hardest things for us. And even in that short interaction of do you need attention and Andy says, no, I'm good. I just wanted to, you know, see your smile or whatever that might have been. You know, we all just want to be seen, heard, and appreciated. And that, that's what it comes down to. This, it's, it, when you say it's a bid for attention, it really is. And it doesn't have to be lavish attention. It, it could be just your smile or, or your turning toward your person as away from your person. Right? Yeah. And when you talk to your partner about these devices, put these things in place during peacetime, not wartime, right? So you can say, hey, sometimes when I'm working in my office and you come in, I don't know if you want to talk to me or, and I find myself getting a little vexed, but I know that you're not trying to do that. So talk about these things. And like Susan, you were saying, uh, it all comes down to communication. And even before communication, there's one crucial step that we don't think about a lot. And that is self-awareness. You have to say, what am I feeling right now? And how do I either neutral, dissipate that feeling or talk through that feeling so that it doesn't become something that's caustic, right? So first have self-awareness of what you're feeling and then find the kind acceptable way to communicate that to your partner. Now, I'm not saying we're all perfect or you should always be perfect and never lose your, you know, never lose your mind at them. But in general, if you can keep these strategies in mind and be more mindful, you'll see your relationship will become a little bit sweeter, actually a lot sweeter. Well, and that's what's striking me about this, right? Is that we we are often so... uh, encased in our own little words. You you mentioned, you know, having your head down with 10 projects going on. I also work from home. You know, you know, we're both like in it. And so sometimes when someone's out there hanging around on my periphery, it feels in, at first in that moment is like, well, if I just ignore it, it will go away. It being like my a husband. mosquito in your ear. Yes. Right. You're like, oh my God, not, not now. Right. right. And, and that thing, it's like, this is the person who is the most important person to you, right? It's not a mosquito in your ear. And I have to have these self-talk, I self-aware, like, okay, he's not annoying. Exactly. You are thinking he's annoying right now. And that's not helpful. So just understanding yourself and what your irritants are is step one in then being able to acknowledge and communicate those and have coping strategies for them. You know, I know people are out there thinking, well, this is all just so simple. This can't be it. But, you know, there were a couple of statistics in the article uh, that I wanted to just mention for people because I think they they show the shift that happens it, when you turn toward each other more than you turn away. Mm-hmm. So the first finding was that happy couples turn toward their partner 20 times more than couples in distress. Right. Wow. 20 times more. 
Makes perfect and sense. It, I mean, it, it, it absolutely does. Because think about when you go to get your partner's attention and they dismiss you or they stay buried in their phone or, you know, they're paying more attention to Box. someone else, right? It, it, you feel a little, there's a little rejection underneath that. And we do the same thing to them. And they, the other finding, and this one I thought was, was really quite striking, six years after the wedding, so they followed many, many couples and they, they sort of checked in with them at the time of the wedding and then six years later. Couples who stayed together six years after the wedding turned toward one another 86% of the time. So perfection is not necessary, right? No. None, none of us are perfect. So, But 86% of the time. For the couples who got divorced, it was 33% of the time. So only wow. one out of three bids for attention. So far from perfection, but still, it's not that you weren't sometimes uh, responding to the bid for attention. It's that the majority of the time you are responding to the bid for attention, right? Yeah, it's key. And in those bids for attention, also, one of the things that the Gottmans and we at Smart Dating Academy talk about all the time is the quality of those interactions, right? You can turn towards each other, but are you turning towards each other with positive affect? And that's really key, right? So turning towards each other also means being positive towards each other, having positive interactions. You know, I think Gottman says something about having 17 positive interactions to every negative interaction. So thinking about it, this, and it makes, to your point, Susan, perfect sense, but we're all humans. And without this information, and especially after six and seven years, when we slide into comfort or 20 or 27 years, you really have to treat this person. You have to be very mindful of treating this person like you did when you were dating. Yeah. They're special. They're your yeah. special person. And you're right. You know, we can get to a place where they've been there for, in my case, 21 years, in your case, more than 27 years. Right. And, and so you can maybe say, well, if I ignore the bid for attention this time, he'll still be there. He's been there for the last 27, 30 years. He'll be there if, if I don't. But it is that maybe slow erosion of the undercurrent of the, the relationship um, so that suddenly it becomes more turning away than turning toward. And that very simply, that you know, turn this way or turn that way is, is very simply sort of the key to that relationship. 100%. And you have to have two partners that are willing to work on the relationship. It can't just be you turning towards your partner and your partner still is like, oh, I don't really care, right? Because that's tough. So if you are in a healthy relationship, you're both involved and wanting to grow your relationship, right? And you're going to want it to get better and to progress. And that's so important to, again, talk about these things in Communicate. 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 Talk about them, but your intentions have to both be there, right? Yeah. Like we want our relationship to be even better at the age of 90 than it was at 30. And when you're both on the same page, then you're both going to do the work. But that's really the key is talking about like, hey, I really want our relationship to be in that top 1% of the 1%. And here are some tactics to do that. Yeah. And both 
investing in this. Then you're going to be on, you know, the fast track to Love Island. Forever. <laughs> Which is where, where Bella and Smart Dating Academy want you to go. And it's, I, I, you know, what you said, I'm just um, thinking back to what the Gottman said. They, they said, so now that you know about this predictive outcome, if you're turning away more than you're turning toward, prediction is marriage won't last. So if you want to counter that, they've identified, and I think we've already, you've said these, but I want to just sort of really highlight them for listeners. One, practice articulating your needs. What did you just say? Communicate this with your partner. Two is an interesting one. Take responsibility when needed. You alluded to that earlier, right? Like in your mind, you were saying, well, I might have been irritated about that. I had to have a little talking to, to myself. Self-awareness. Yeah. Self-awareness is everything, ladies and gentlemen, right? Being aware of yourself and being aware of what you've said and done and aware of what the consequences look like they are. And then the last one is is what you just said as well. It's remembering your fondness for one another. That's kind of peppered through what we've said, right? This is your person. Give them, give them the attention they are due. They're important to you. Hey, Divorce and Beyond listeners. I've got a quick but exciting update for you. I'm so excited to say that the podcast is now available on Audible. Yes, where you listen to all your eBooks, you can now also listen to your Divorce and Beyond episodes. And to celebrate, we've got a special offer for you. You get one month free of Audible Plus. So to take advantage of that, just go to the show notes. Or even better, we have on the website an entire page of books that were written by all our many experts. You can go to the divorceandbeyondpod.com website, go to Beyond Reading, and you're going to find all the books that have been written by our experts. Books like Christina McGee's Parenting Apart and Bill Eddy's Biff and Splitting. So whatever the book is, go find it there, download Audible, and we know that sometimes you don't want a hard copy book on display for everyone to see. So whether it's for privacy or convenience, you can listen to the books and the podcasts all in one place on Audible. So take advantage of this fantastic offer. Keep your journey of learning and empowerment going privately and conveniently. Go to divorceandbeyondpod.com and go to Beyond Reading. Stay tuned for more from the amazing Bella Gandhi as she shares more essential information that you need to find lasting love. And be sure to listen to the end so that you don't miss her top tips for surviving Valentine's Day if the holiday doesn't bring you joy. What makes human beings happy? It's the quality of their relationships. And yet we're never taught how to date and what a good, happy relationship looks like and how to have one and how to be a good partner. It's like the most important thing. You can learn how to do this and you can have a good relationship. Is it easy? No, but if it's the most important decision you'll ever make, well, don't you want to learn how to do that? If you're finding this episode helpful, be sure to check out last week's special episode with Christina McGee as she dives into the paradigm of Disney dads and Marvel moms. And she shares some insights in how you can put the competition with your co-parent behind you for the sake of your kids. 
And I find myself, you know, encouraging parents to change the language they use. They don't think about it. They don't think about how kids being told they're going to visit a parent impacts the dynamic. And now we return to today's show. I love this this conversation because of its it's really hopeful. It's really positive to helping people find that lid on your pot. And I'm wondering, you know, I think again in past episodes we've talked about come to Smart Dating Academy they're going to help you get gorgeous pictures. And they do, by the way, I've seen the, I don't even know how your photographer does this. I've got to go visit with her because she, the pictures of the profile pictures for online dating that your clients have are amazing. They have amazing um, profiles that you've helped them write up. You, you talk with them about how to date, but really that's only step one in what Smart Dating Academy does for their clients. So tell us about, you called it earlier uh, when we were talking about it, um, the conveyor belt of, of life and relationships. Yeah, you know, it's like the, the full life cycle. If you're single, right, or any of you in happy relationships, at some point you were out on the market and you were single and you were dating, right? And so at Smart Dating Academy, what we're known for is helping people to really understand the kind of partner that's going to make you happy, understand the dating patterns you might have, which are accepting people with red flags. And then to Susan's point, looking at the three pipelines that people meet people, right? Online dating, meeting people in real life and getting set up, and then really maximizing the quality of your candidates through having good photos, having a good profile so that you can create a lot of dating options, right? Because when you have options and you're not, you don't settle because you know what you're looking for, the kind of partner you want. And so now let's say what happens, you find a partner that looks great, okay? That ends what I call phase one of dating and we're along for the ride along the entire conveyor belt of this, okay? So <laughs> now let's say you've got a- Step one step 40. <laughs> step one, right, you've got a partner, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever you wanna call this person. Now what we do is for the next, I don't know, three months, six months, 12 months, two years, as long as a client engages us, we are making sure that this relationship is a healthy, happy one for both people. And what does that mean? Making sure that this person that you're with is aligned with your values, where you want to be in a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, right? And making sure that there aren't red flags in the communication. And sometimes our client's partner might be the red flag. And sometimes our client is the red flag. And it's our, I'm like, that's a you problem. That's not a him problem, right? So you need to soften your approach with this, right? You can't say things like that. You can't respond like that. So it's really, you're right. We're watching these relationships develop, giving people questions to ask by phases, watching what's happening over the first six months of a relationship. Typically, if you get through your dating funnel, you find the lid to your pot, and then you're along, we're along for the ride with you for four seasons after that, you're not going to end up in any divorce statistics. And even if you don't want to get married, it's the lid to your pot. You found that person. You're not going to have to go back to the well. I don't care if people get married or not. It's That's a very personal couple-based decision. But our clients are looking for the love of their life, the lid to their pot, that serious relationship. So that's what we're very 
I think I say this with humility, pretty adroit at doing. It's the dating part. Pick the right partner and then make sure it's the right partner and be the right partner, right? There you go. Yeah, well, it's kind of those things that we were just talking about that the Gottmans identified. You kind of do this, you know, practice articulating your needs. You have people as part of their process. Look at what their ideal partner looks like, or at least, you know, what the qualities of of the person that they want to be in that relationship with. And and knowing human beings, you know, I work with human beings in a different phase of life. I, I work with them yeah. as they're ending relationships, um, but also helping them move to the next stage. That's part of what I do as a mediator. Many of them have absolutely no idea what they want and have put no thought into that. And I suspect you know, as people come into that dating funnel, you know, I, I think you told me once 75% or so of your clients are post-divorce or post-major breakup of a, of a major relationship. Yeah, that is very true. And, and so I see people, at least in my experience, so many people in that space who are like, I would imagine, Bella, it doesn't have to be the, the lid to my pup. I just want to be f- happy I want to find someone who makes me feel good. And as soon as, you know, and we've talked in other episodes about oxytocin and all those good things, but as soon as those good hormones start kicking in, great sex, butterflies in our stomach, you know, all those things, they think they're there. Is there, is, is there an urge on people's part at that point to disengage with your services or with what you do? Because now you're, now you're like the, mm, I don't know, we got to stick around here and check this out. Sometimes clients are like, mm, you know, I want to go on hold at this point, but I'm very much like, no, where you need us most is now. Okay, you found someone, that's great, but this is phase two, and this is where the stakes are really high. This is where if you're suddenly making decisions, first of all, isn't there something about, and, and maybe I have this wrong, but I know you'll know the the actual stats on this. Isn't there something about the hormones of a new relationship and 18 months? Like for the first 18 months of a new relationship, your brain's not really working. It's all, it's all a little lower than that that's working. Lust is nature's way of tricking you into attachment. Oh, that's a good one. That's going to okay. be a quote on Instagram, folks. And, and that's really the key. And so these hormones can start to wear off as soon as four months post exclusivity, and it could take as long as four years. It depends on the couple, depends on the dynamic, right? But that's where you really start to see that in the beginning, you're not really objective. You know, as my good friend, anthropologist, Dr. Helen Fisher says, like romantic love is an addiction. It's an obsession, right? And there are hormones that make us feel this way in the beginning. And so just knowing that that feeling isn't going to last forever. And sometimes people mistake the dimming of that feeling when we're transitioning into like a safe long-term healthy love is, oh, I'm not in love with this person anymore because they're chasing this obsessive feeling. But at the end of the day, that's a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for relationship 
that fails after relationship that fails after relationship that fails. And that's why, you know, this is the thing about, I, I always just find it so interesting that people think, and, and and we talk about it all the time. And when you're on, you know, Good Good Morning America or something, everybody's always really fascinated with the dating part of it. It's the sexier part, maybe. It's the part that's more obvious. But you know, they say, you know, the real love, the sustained love is that quiet love, that that sure love that is is that relationship where you've literally found that lid to your pot or the jacket that fits. You know how we all have that one pair of jeans? The yeah, one pair. Absolutely. One <laughs> that's, pair. That's your okay. relationship that you're looking for. That one pair of jeans you can't give up or the sweatshirt that you stole from a boyfriend in college that you still have or whatever those things are, right? No they matter how many holes, you'll <laughs> patch it up, fix it up. Even if it looks like crap, you're like, I'm never getting rid of that. It's like coming home every time you put that on. That's what a, a, a real lasting relationship can feel like. Not every minute of every moment of every day, but that, you know, sustainable relationship that it's not going to, to end after six years of marriage or whatever the, the predictive period of time is. And I, I love that one of the things that you do for your clients isn't just to help them get back out in the world and date successfully. It's that you literally you literally stay with them as their fairy godmother because that's she's even got a wand, everyone. But the fairy godmother with guardrails around that new relationship to help it. You know, it's really the um, I don't know the soft landing and the the impartial third party who can be there to help guide you along the way. We should all have that. I think it would put divorce attorneys and mediators out of business, which I would love to see. Oh, yeah. I think sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. And I say a lot of us walk around with broken pickers and it's not our fault. It's not your fault, right? You can't choose your genetics. You can't choose what happened in your family of origin, right? And we're blasted all day long by Hollywood and Bollywood and and all of these things. And we don't really know North from South. And we're never taught how to do this, right? I tell my clients, and I think if even if you look at studies like the Harvard Grant study, right, the longest longitudinal study ever done on relationships, it's what makes human beings happy. It's the quality of their relationships. And yet we're never taught how to date and what a good, happy relationship looks like and how to have one and how to be a good partner. It's like the most important thing. I have a poster in my office that I grew up with that it's called the 21 Suggestions for Success by a guy named H. Jackson Brown. It's literally behind my door. Or I flipped the camera over to show it. And it's called 21 Suggestions for Success. Rule number one, marry the right person. This one decision will determine 90% of your happiness or 90% of your misery. Now, wait a second. If that's the case, and this poster hung in my house from the time I was 16 years old. And I was like, hold up. If, if that's the most important thing, I'm sitting here learning about AP European history and all these facts and minutiae that will never be of use to me, but I'm not learning how to do this. Right. And so I really I credit that poster to putting the seeds in my mind when I was 
a teenager to trying to start to crack this nut, right? And I had bad dating patterns and then figured it out and got 90%. I better like figure this out and started dating my husband. And now we've been married for this long. So it it's really, it's super interesting if you find yourself as one of these people that is chronically not picking the right people. Number one, don't shame yourself. Don't blame yourself. There's nothing wrong with you. You were never taught how to do this. It's it's as crazy as if I told you to go out on the golf course. And if you didn't, you know, if you didn't win the game, you'd be like, well, I just suck. No, you were never taught how to do it. We would never right. put those, we would never put those standards on ourselves. But in dating and relationships and love, there's no barometers. There's no measure. So I think what we're trying to do is change that and put an impact in the world on that. Like you can learn how to do this and you can have a good relationship. Is it easy? No. But if it's the most important decision you'll ever make, well, don't you want to learn how to do that? Maybe maybe put a little time into it, right? Which is one of the reasons why I loved this topic for this um, this holiday. And I and maybe as we go out of the episode, because we are in Valentine's week as this episode will air, you know, this is a tough holiday for so many people who, at least on my side of the fence, have gone through a relationship that in some way, I'm not going to say has failed, but has ended. And yeah. they may be alone or they may be dating and feeling the pressure of not having someone or having someone on Valentine's Day. What do you tell your Smart Dating Academy family? You know what? If Valentine's Day depresses you, think about the people that bring you joy and spend some time with them that evening. If this is a hard day for you, just know it's kind of a, you know, it's a Hallmark created holiday. It's the number two retail doorbuster in this country after Christmas. So there's a lot of incentives to get us to think about Valentine's Day, right? So boosts up the GDP. Great. But so I tell you that don't take it too seriously. And if you do, and if it's making you feel blue, find an activity that's going to make you happy. Maybe it's going to yoga. Maybe it's going to Pilates. Maybe it's going to a spa, having a great steak dinner with a couple of friends. You have a lot of love around you. And sometimes we only obsess about the fact that we don't have a romantic partner. And if this sounds like you, what I want you to do is sit down and think about all of the people that love you truly in your life and know that number one, you are love. And number two, you are loved by many people. And just bathe in that this Valentine's Day. I love that. I will be thinking of you on Valentine's Day because you are definitely one of the things that I love in my life. And I so appreciate that we got to really dive a lot deeper into your true magic. You know, the fairy godmother of, of dating is really the fairy godmother of relationships and finding that lid to your pot, finding that, that partner, that life partner that you're, you're looking for. And I want people to know that about you. It's truly your, your special gift. Um, and, uh, you know, I've benefited from, from that and from hearing all of your wisdom over these days. And, and I know our friends, many of our friends have as well. So thank you for sharing, Bella. What um, now, smartdatingacademy.com is the, the website. You also have your podcast, your wonderful podcast that's 
full every week, folks. In fact, this week, um, so this will be last week. Go look at Bella's um, content from last week as this episode airs. It was a mini episode a day of Bella-isms and Bella wisdom. It's fantastic, as always. What else would you like people to know, and how can they reach out to you? Schedule a consultation. Go to smartdatingacademy.com, or if you just want to be in our newsletter database, just fill out any form and you'll automatically be deposited into that sweet little database. And follow us on Instagram at Smart Dating Academy. And um, we post lots of fun little things and Bellaisms and quotes and podcast teasers. So, all of the things. So, I'm so honored to be on the Divorce and Beyond podcast always. So thank you for having me. It's oh, a gift. Thank you for coming on. You might, my, my it, it's the Bella effect. I'm going to see the ratings for this episode. They always spike when Bella is on. And I think that that is, you know, again, part of your gift is that you are bringing uh, words of hope and wisdom to people in an area, as you just said, we don't get a lot of instruction. I think we should stop turning 15 and 16 year olds or hormone, you know, rampant out there on the world without a little bit of Bella instruction on how to create successful relationships. <laughs> Maybe we would, again, put all of the divorce attorneys and mediators out of business, which would be just fine. So, and then you, you can so all be relationship coaches. There we, yeah. there we go. The world could use more love. So yeah. thank you so much for joining me for this episode, Bella. Oh, thank you again for having me. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.